0: It's The World This Week, The World This Week in partnership with The Daily Beast. Uh, Let's go uh, to New York City. Noor Ibrahim is international news editor at The Daily Beast. How are you? All right we uh, have trouble connecting with nor we'll try to uh, mm-hmm. t- we'll try to get that connection a s a p uh, with us as well is documentary filmmaker uh, paul morera uh, on the franco german channel arte uh, you have coming out in the name of law and order uh,
1: about uh well policing in this age yeah quite controlling police and how it has changed uh, radically uh, in in the last uh, five years uh, basically a lot on the on the yellow vests movement in France, but also Black Lives Matter was like a really a in the paradigm States. shift in the United States. Welcome back
0: to the show. Welcome back okay. as well to uh, Richard Verly, uh, France correspondent for Swiss news website Blick. How are you?
2: Fine. Working today on the French riots and the cancellation of the British king's uh, visit to Paris.
0: Now that's the glass half empty. Emma-Kate Simons, journalist at Newsweekly magazine Frontierat, Riots. They're demonstrations. They're
3: <laughs> right, but as usual, there's a, a lot of violence. There, the derrapage, there, the breakouts. Uh, it's uh, it's really descending. In part, there's some elements of anarchy. Uh, so, I, I mean, that's what I've also been looking at in my stories and the influence of the two extremes on that. Are they really inflaming tensions?
0: All right, but let's let's delve into it uh, straight away. By the way, uh, you can listen, like, and subscribe to the World this week on Facebook. Uh, on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other fine streaming services. Yeah, first, the personnel in charge of rolling out the red carpet went on strike. Then, the unions invited everyone to show up at the Palace of Versailles on Sunday. And finally, protesters on Thursday torched the entrance to Bordeaux City Hall, uh, Bordeaux, uh, where King Charles was due next Tuesday as part of his first state visit abroad. Uh, as monarch, uh, to visit his hosts on Friday, uh, throwing in the towel and announcing the postponement uh, of that uh, royal trip. Uh, the, the writing was on the wall late Thursday, Richard Verly, when uh, the uh, uh, unions announced that uh, they'd be marching Tuesday. But already people were wondering what the optics would have looked like uh, of a king and a president who's accused of uh, being a republican monarch dining at the palace of versailles in the midst of uh uh, this p- these pension reform protests?
2: Yeah, there would have been clearly very difficult moments if uh, King Charles had maintained his venue to Paris. Uh, can you imagine, for example, on Monday morning, they were supposed to uh, lay flowers at the Arc de Triomphe on the Champs-Elysées? So you could imagine that some protesters would probably have tried to disrupt that ceremony. Then in the evening, the official dinner was initially supposed to be, t- to be taking place in Versailles, then apparently moved to Le Louvre. But still, that would have been another occasion for disruption, not talking about Bordeaux. The the, uh, idea originally was for the king and Camilla to go by train to Bordeaux. So I think that was clearly an impossible task at that time. Now, to be known is whether it's indeed... French President Macron, who has decided to cancel and count on Buckingham Palace—that's the official version—or whether it was on the British side, that they were quite afraid to send King Charles in such a situation. Personally, I do not know the exact truth, but I believe both sides were probably relieved.
0: Now, it's not the king who decides where he goes uh, on state visits. It's his prime minister. Uh, Paul Morirat, there was a lot of political capital invested uh, in this trip. Uh, do the French care if King Charles comes or
1: not? No, I, I don't think they care at all. But uh, I think it, it's good for both of them to uh, the, that he doesn't come because right now we're in the middle of a, a micro uh, 1789 moment, French moment, and uh, to have a real king. I mean, the, the, the French always say that we have we have a, 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 a mocking. A, a, a fake king through Macron, and then will, there will be a real king, and the both meeting in Versailles would have been, in terms of uh, uh, of, uh, of uh, image and of uh, communication, something very heavy to carry for, uh, for Macron and, therefore, uh, for uh, Charles III also. Instead,
0: his first state visit abroad, Emma Kate Simons, will be to Germany uh, soon. There were those in the Commonwealth that grumbled at the fact that uh, why is he not visiting a country uh, uh, that's you know from the from the realm rather than uh, uh, visiting France? Of course, we know it's to patch up differences uh, uh, post Brexit. Your thoughts on that?
3: Yes, I mean, I'm not sure if that many Australians are desperate for King Charles, who is still King of Australia, to come and visit, myself being from the Antipodes. But but going back to the, the point about uh, the cancellation or postponement of his, of his visit here, I think one of the comical and absurd aspects that came out today of this was the rush by the extreme left... La France Insoumise France Embarred Party, led by Jean-Luc Mélenchon, who is really an ex-Trotskyite revolutionary, coming out and basically claiming credit for the postponement of the visit and also almost saying that, along with his com- comrades, that, that, uh, that they are responsible for the, the soon to be coming overthrow of monarchies from France to... Because they classify... They caricature Macron as a king to, to Great Britain. I think this provided an element of absurdity, but underneath that... There's, there's something real because you can see the inflammatory nature of the language that is just uh, being pushed out across, across the airwaves, broadcast on mainstream media and being driven, uh, particularly by these extremely eloquent and quite... Demo- they're demagogues, basically, from the far left. And there's also coming from the far right. So it's a very toxic cocktail and it's quite dangerous.
0: Inflammatory language, um, I guess in the ear of the beholder, uh, uh, the uh, president uh, appeared to, according to his critics, to have galvanized opposition to his pension reform. Let's go back over what happened this week. First, there was that 11th hour uh, uh, turning of the bill into a vote of no confidence that his government survived Monday by a mere nine votes in parliament. Macron then broke his silence on the protests, and a bid to temper of the anger granted a lunchtime interview on national television Wednesday. But there, no whiff of a hint of a climb down.
1: I'm not seeking re-election.
0: I can't constitutionally. But between the polls and the short term and the general interest of the country, I chose the general interest of the country. And if it means having to bear unpopularity today, I will bear it. Paul Moreira, uh, his words on Wednesday, uh, the
1: demonstrators said that uh, they made them even angrier. Why? Well, basically, I mean, uh, nothing uh, went ahead from their point of view. I mean, it's still he, he doesn't want to discuss the fact uh, that uh, the law uh, could be uh, withdrawn or not. So, so for them, I mean... I think we have to take this movement against uh, against the law for for retraite uh, as something more as a symptom of something deeper than just you know a law about pension it's the the we we, we have gone through a moment where uh, the perception from the french public that there is such huge gap and divide between the very rich. And we know that after COVID and after all the help that has been given to the super rich, their fortunes have expanded uh, dramatically and and, and people are still uh, suffering inflation, suffering a very hard moment. So it's like a perfect storm. You have those objective uh, conditions that uh, people experience right now. And there's this law uh, that, you know, some people who are real workers, not like people like us, that we, we I could work 10 years more than, than 64. It's not a problem. But there are people who really work in this country. and have uh, real jobs. Yeah, real jobs. I, I've, I've gone through a real job when I was younger, and really I would... Look at the watch at nine thirty and hope that the day was over. So I, I believe that are a lot of people experience that, and and for them they are mad. They are mad that they are taking two years more of their lives, and uh, and so there's the conjunction of all those elements that bring the the a huge level of anger right now. It's true. I mean, it's not only that they are manipulated by the far far left or the far right. But what's there's your re- a, what's it's, genuine it's, it's, anger?
3: But I think your point, uh, yes, I agree, there's genuine anger and there's a real malaise, a crisis of mm-hmm. democracy. There's uh, there's no longer faith in the future and progress. And um, Olivier Babou from Institut Sapiens, the think tank, was on a French television last night talking about a survey showing that only 18% of French people think that in five years their life will be better off. In the United States, it's 40%. But in reality, France has one of the most generous social systems in the world and is actually one of the most egalitarian countries in the world, however, people don't feel that, despite the injection of money from Macron during the COVID crisis that was really one of the most successful and generous uh, anywhere on the globe, and and, and saved businesses and salaried workers, Uh, people don't remember that, and all they see now is, as you say, more effort being asked of them. But you're right, it's no longer about pensions. In fact, it probably never really was. And it's, it's just this terrible mix now with claims of police violence and inflation, interest rates going up.
0: But there seems to have been a turning point, point. I'll put it to you, Richard Verley, when uh, the government decided to railroad the bill through with this use of... Uh what's called Article 49.3 of the Constitution, turning it into a vote of no
2: confidence. Exactly, which means that you can have a text, a legislative text being adopted without a vote. And it is followed by, uh, uh, by a vote on the government itself. And in that case, the Macron government, actually Elizabeth Bond government, won by only nine votes. Well, I would disagree a bit with my colleague. I think uh, you can't say it's a matter of the level of anger in the country pension is something very specific and the reason why people are angry is because in france the time when you get retired is the time when you start a new life for many people, even those who did not work very hard. I mean, even those, for example, who, had, uh, who were clerk in office or who didn't have that difficult factory job, they believe that starting 62 years old, you start a new life. So it's all about what do you do after work when your working time is over. And I think this pension reform could have been, one, better explained, and certainly should have come at another moment. The problem of the timetable is crucial here. Macron decided to come in now with this reform, probably because he's afraid of the, you know, rating agency, financial markets, looking at the French debt. He decided to push over now, while he should probably have waited a bit, knowing the difficulty that a lot of French people have to make their ends meet in terms of, because of inflation, because of the war. So is he out of touch? Uh, I believe he's not out of touch with the financial markets, but more out of touch with the French people. Yeah, but
3: it's been so many years there have been debates about French pension reforms, and it's true it's not the right time, but it never is. And I think it's true that he probably should have put it to the vote. There was a risk that they would lose the vote. But on the other hand, when will pensions be reformed? France People in France retire. But anyway, why are we only talking always in France about when people are retiring mm-hmm. and 15-year-olds are out there talking about their retirement? They've never even had a job. It's, it's everything is sort of turned on its head, but it, it's about something deeper, obviously.
0: It's about something deeper. Well, <laughs> uh, Manhattan traffic could not keep away, uh, nor Ibrahim, uh, uh, international news editor uh, for the Daily Beast, uh, nor we were talking at the outset, King Charles having to cancel a state visit. I know uh, uh, Americans and New Yorkers in particular like Emmanuel Macron. What do they think of him now?
4: I mean, I think—I I don't know if everyone would say that they like him. I think the reactions are either, oh, look, he's someone who's very charismatic and charming. Um, but at the same time, there is this impression that, um, that he's a little bit bougie, that he might be a little bit out of touch, that, you know, he's a president for the rich. I think um, the impression that some younger people have is that the way he presents himself is a little staged and, and, and carefully calculated. So uh, I think, yeah, it, it very much differs between, like, the younger generations and older generations in terms of their impression of Macron.
0: Yeah. And now we're heading into this new phase, and we saw it on Thursday. The demonstrations, the largest since the protests began, uh, they were also at times the most violent. Uh, Amnesty International denouncing excessive force uh, by riot police. There are 11 internal inquiries by security forces into the violence uh, so far by law enforcement officials. The top human rights watchdog on this continent, the European Council, uh, also singling out France this Friday. At the same time, the interior minister denouncing the more than 400 injured in his ranks, including the uh, security uh, forces supervisor in the northern French city of Lille.
2: The far left wants to attack the Republic.
0: We need to send them a collective message of condemnation. And the instruction now given to police officers is to use a certain amount of force.
1: To use a certain amount of force, Paul Morera, There's been, I mean, I've I've been working on this topic for two years now, and uh, the documentary should be out on Arte pretty soon. Um, there was a huge change in, uh, in crowd control, in police crowd control in, in France. I mean, in like 50 years ago, basically, you would have demonstrations, the trade union demonstrations going very smoothly, uh, very easily. The, the cops wouldn't even have their helmets on and anything. And nowadays, and the trade unions had their own crowd control unit. They still, which they still do. They still do. They still do. They still do. And and but but nowadays, the 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 change of the of the the crowd control uh, method makes it that. The, the cops are more and more close to the, to the, 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 the protest. They almost touch it. It's like a, a, new, a new philosophy of, of crowd control. It is, it is engineered like that, uh, supposedly to avoid the black blocks or the, the, the cortege de tête, the, the head of, the, of, of the, the, the protest, to have a free reign, you know, to be able to either break or burn something. The problem is that usually street fighters are fast and they're never caught by police. The the people who are caught, the people who are uh, at, at the, the, the front line usually who get smashed or get hit are the ones who are not uh, used to street fighting, who don't run away, who are not, you know, uh, 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 fight savvy, let's say. And uh, and so what happens basically is that the regular people get beaten up. And we have seen a, a huge amount of videos on the social networks of, of people, sometimes aged people, that Fall on the ground get stamped over by police and and basically this method that changed of, of being in contact in close contact with the, with the demonstration produces nonstop uh, violence
0: Richard Verli, we saw with the yellow vests movement that well first of all violence paid off at the beginning because they were violent and uh, the government backtracked on on a carbon tax but then The violence also uh, turned in the president's favor. The longer it went on, the less popular the yellow vests were. Is violence being used as a tool by the government? Is that the next step to do the same method?
2: Well, clearly, uh, Macron government would like to see... Uh, the protesters uh, being distanced from the population. They'd like to see, let's say, normal people to go back to work and not to accept this level of violence. Now, maybe two or three things. First thing, I believe, um, unfortunately, violence always takes place in France at some time. Because, as you said, violence pays in France. Don't forget that the Gilets Jaunes, the movement kind of ended up... but. A lot of money was put in the economy, especially in, t- in, in, the, in the manner of subsidies or whatever by Macron at that time. Now it's more difficult because there is no more money left. But financially, violence, I mean, got a result. Another, another remark is um, we can focus on police violence, and I think it's very fair to say. But I was myself caught yesterday evening, so Thursday evening, at the end of the protest with a group of street fighters, as you call them. And it is just scary, let's admit it. And what they are doing... How many people were there in this group? There were certainly they were a group of 20 to 30 people erupting, literally coming out of the street. I was there with my scooter and they were coming to me and I realised at the moment, I, I did not realise because I, it was not in the vicinity of the main area of protest, but they had spilled over in the streets. So we it's clearly, clearly that the police should be careful and should, and should take a certain number of precaution, but we are facing, in France and in other countries, groups of very violent people, and I believe is going to increase in the coming days if no political solution is found.
3: Yeah, and there's also a destruction of public property, I mean burning of, of kiosks where they sell newspapers in Paris, of bus shelters in other True. cities, of the front door of the, as you, as you mentioned, of the town hall in Bordeaux, which was apparently linked to the extreme right. And I think, in fact, it's not going to benefit. Benefit anyone financially in any other way? It actually just plays, evidently, finally into the hands of Marine Le Pen and the extreme right, who are just waiting there to recuperate everything. And, and people when are just the interior minister is
0: accused of inflammatory language, he's deemed uh, those who protest. Uh, so There's a Saturday demonstration. Uh, against uh, the water tanks in the southwest of France. He's deemed them eco-terrorists. You heard that clip of him uh, espousing a certain amount of
3: force. Okay, no, evidently the interior minister, and interior ministers have always used relatively tough and inflammatory language. But it is true to say, and I think that it's not a government line, but people do need to distinguish between... And look, the unions have lost control of these uh, protests because when the protests are being led by the unions at the beginning of the day, they're relatively peaceful and uh you know the the things that happen later in the day and in the evening it's not under the control anymore of the unions so I mean I think it's it's
1: actually it's actually you have like the the unions the demonstration and then you have like say a quarter of of the the, 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 the protest that is formed of more radical people who are not framed by any unions basically they because want to break things yeah but, but basically it. because they, most of them belong to uh, uh, an area, a social area where there are no regular jobs. I, people, I don't agree. No, are, some there of them are black. are people bourgeois. who are, are, people who are, who are <laughs> Yeah, no, I no, don't that, think so. I don't think from, so. It's very them, difficult to know who they are when they have a black, a black, a black, uh, uh, a black no, no, It's they they difficult, difficult to know. But I mean, my theory, but it's that as as we know that in in France. Factories have closed down. I mean, it's a reality. Industry has disappeared. The stronghold of the trade unions were the factories. They are gone. They're gone to China. And, and nowadays, what, what do you have? You have Like in pe- places like Picardy, uh, you, you have places where people don't have had the, uh, jobs for uh, sure. like two generations the industrialization. now. And I was in the, I was in the Yellow Vest uh, in protest. I was filming and talking to people. Many of them were coming from there. And they never had regular jobs. And they were the most... Uh, enraged people, there is a social reality that explains the violence. It's not only people who are bad, or they, they were born bad. They were born in a social context but that there's made no, them but violent.
3: There's no, there's no, it's the problem, I think, evidently in France, is there's always a justification for necessary sure. violence. There must true, be a reason. True. Well, in fact, when people start to smash up public property and potentially set fire to Paris apartments yeah, and bad. kill people, well, there's no explanation. No one was killed. Nobody's been killed yet. Right. Politico.
2: Politically, there is an interesting reality. If you look at the polls, the French are actually living in a contradiction, the French people. On the one hand, they are against the reform, they support the protesters, but on the other hand, they want a strong man or a strong president in power. And some even, I think around 60% in recent polls say that they wouldn't mind to have an authoritarian regime. In power in France, so there is this contradiction. Sure. Like there is this contradiction. <laughs> sure, right, sure But the, the,
1: there's this. The, it's the moment. I mean, all over all right, over Europe, you have authoritarian regime. I mean, it's uh, a Italy, stress it's test a,
0: for democracy, yeah. perhaps. And while Emmanuel Macron escaped the heat at home uh, with a summit in Brussels Thursday and Friday, Israel's prime minister uh, chose London for a getaway. Mm.
3: Is democracy under threat
2: in Israel? Did you break the law last night?
1: Benjamin
0: Netanyahu uh, shrugging off questions over his government's bid to weaken the powers of the judiciary. This one day after his far-right coalition passed a bill that restricts the reasons for removing a uh, prime minister uh, from office. Netanyahu happens to be on trial for corruption, uh, shrugging off the protests that dog him at home and abroad. And there was this Thursday promise that it will all be good. Tonight, I'm announcing to you, my friends, citizens of Israel, that's enough. I am getting involved. I'm putting aside all other considerations. And for the good of our people, for the good of our country, I will do everything in my power to reach a solution. Uh, I will do everything in my power to reach a solution uh, nor either him uh, uh his critics wondering what that solution is
4: Yeah I mean I think it's pretty clear that he's gone off the deep end I think uh the fact that you know him having to helicopter out of places at this point um should kind of signal maybe maybe if that's what I need to do then I shouldn't be leaving in the first place. Um, I think it's showing just a reckless disregard for um, a situation that's gotten really, really out of hand um, in terms of um, his own army uh, refusing to serve and and just basically criticism from all sides, including the, the heads of state and the world leaders that he's meeting with. Um, the fact that uh, he's trying to just you know, cover this up, suppress it, act like everything is going just fine right now, um, is—he's it, it, spiraling out of control. And, and I think it's it's quite worri- worrisome to see um, for a lot of people around the world.
0: You mentioned uh, the, the, there the, uh, uh, the, the, the blowback coming from many walks of life inside of Israel. Thursday was a day of high drama. His defense ministers from the same conservative Likud party, canceled a press statement. It was thought he would be calling for an end to this judiciary reform. Uh, He was summoned by Netanyahu, uh, Israel's army reservists uh, who've joined the protest. It's unprecedented. They've been speaking out like this officer who spoke to the Reuters news agency. We decided that we cannot serve and support uh, an army that actually uh, functions as an army of uh, dictatorship. You were talking about tests for democracy a moment ago, Paul Morera
1: I think uh, Israel has never been in such a danger in its existence because uh, uh, what justifies Israel is that it's a, it's a democracy and it's one of uh, one of the exemplar democracies in in, in the region. And uh, if you're heading through an autocracy where the Supreme Court is 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 blown to pieces. And uh, we, you give the control of the Palestinian territories to the very people who have one program, which is annihilate them or get rid of them, uh, deport them. I mean, Ben Villa, for example, is a guy I've interviewed sometimes, and is the, it, the Home Security Minister. Right. I mean, it's it's. I even question his sanity. I mean, I don't even know if he's. I mean, he's, he's really dangerous to give. A, it's like in France, if you give the the, the education minister to Dieudonné, it doesn't 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 match any kind of decision that that that. that You know, that is saying it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous government, really. Is it a personal use of power, Richard Verlil?
2: Yes, but unfortunately at the moment, Netanyahu benefits from a geopolitical situation that we all know. European, uh, the Europeans and the Americans are busy with Ukraine, though Joe Biden is putting pressure on Netanyahu, but still he's got to focus on Ukraine, not talking about China. And recently you had this, uh, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia, Iran, uh, new relationship. So that gives Israel a reason to say that uh, they've got to be, uh, let's say, in alert and so on. So I, um, I am very pessimistic in our capacity, our meaning European democracies and Western democracy to influence Netanyahu and Israel at the moment. I think it lies down with the people in Israel. Those protesters that we have seen, are they strong enough today to for- or force him to become more reasonable? That, frankly speaking, I don't know and I cannot measure.
0: We were asking earlier about whether Emmanuel Macron climbs down. Will but- Benjamin Netanyahu climb down? Emma Kate Simons?
3: You know, I I want to leave it to the to the experts on exactly what's going on in Israel. I have visited there a couple of times as as a journalist, but I think that what we're seeing is the is the absolute radicalization and polarization that we're seeing in so many other countries around the world, and then also not only the rise of authoritarianism, but also the problem of fake news. And so this is something that we that we're facing at Frontiere newspaper, for example, and to do with uh, Ukraine and Russia. So already uh, Russian bots and trolls are putting out fake covers of Frontiere magazine, which means Freethinker in English, and of Newsweek, suggesting that, in fact, the, the French and, and the U.S. press are attacking President Zelensky. So it's all, and you know, with this whole deal with China, between Russia and China. So the problem, and it's a big problem in France at the moment with what's going on with the protests and the violence, is we don't, how can we verify the news? We have to be alert for the fakes.
0: Noor no, Ibrahim, you heard Richard Verli there uh, talking about the limit to the degree to which uh, Israel's allies can pressure the Netanyahu government. How far can Joe Biden go in uh, putting a bit of pressure on, on on Israel?
4: I mean, it's always a tricky line. But I think another question we need to ask is why why are we set? Why is the red line now? I feel like there's this pattern of like. Uh, framing this as something that's come out of nowhere and, like, how did it get so bad? The fact is that, um, you know, if you consider people uh, in the West Bank and Gaza, um, the democratic rights that they've uh, been deprived of all this time under Bibi, um, I think it's—it's
2: it's, it's,
4: it's just—it's not right to, to act like this is a surprising thing. We've always known uh, what he is. We've always known what his character has been. Uh, I think right now it's more directly influencing um, Israelis, but uh, Palestinians have been raising the alarm about this uh, for years. So I, th- I think it's just important to question uh, why now? why now is uh, why now is there more backlash, more widespread protests uh, when we haven't seen that in other instances in the past? Um, again, it's always a delicate line with the Biden administration, but we have seen some. Uh, unusual and, like, promising, um, just points where they confronted issues like the, the 2005 uh, law that was uh, repealed, um, basically uh, making it illegal to build new settlements in the West Bank. And, and when that happened, the, uh, a diplomat was called to the State Department, and they made it very clear that, that that's not something um, that they're condoning. Um, so they're definitely being—the U.S. is definitely being a little more aggressive and upfront about um, uh, what's happening, about, you know, directly going against what Bibi is saying. Uh, and hopefully that, trends, that trend continues because, you know, I think it's just—the it's, situation is, again, spiraling pretty, pretty quickly there.
0: All right, Emma Kate Simons there mentioning the story that uh, uh, how uh, uh, Russia wants to frame it. There were no red carpet uh, misfunctions at the Kremlin this week uh, as Vladimir Putin welcomed uh, Xi Jinping for a three-day state visit, the first by China's president to Moscow since last year's full-scale invasion of Ukraine by Vladimir Putin. Forget international condemnation. forget last week's indictment of Putin by the International Criminal Court. (laughs)
2: Facing changes
4: of the world, our times, and history, China and Russia have maintained strategic calm to deal with the greatest changes of the century and promoted the relationship between the two countries to be more mature, stable, and resilient. It has set a model for a new type of major power relationship in the contemporary era.
0: A model for a new type of major power relationship in the contemporary era. Now, cynics would say, that's beautiful, but there wasn't much concrete out of this uh, three-day state visit, Emma Kate Simon. No,
3: it's purely symbolic, but it's mm. a it's a it's a win for for both sides, and I think it just crystallizes what we're seeing at the moment, which is this building of this anti-Western and in the case of France, anti-France axis, which is comprised of of uh, you know China, Russia, uh, also Turkey uh, and Iran. The the mullahs this week came out yesterday. They came out and said that a France should listen to its. Protesters. This coming from a regime that gases, kills, uh, m- m- murders, tortures protesters in their thousands. Um, so I mean, there's, there's. I think that this is what Macron has pointed out in the past. It's a worry for what's going on in France. It, it makes these kinds of regimes rejoice, whether it's in uh, Beijing or, or Moscow or elsewhere.
0: But the West is not, for the time being, Paul Marera uh, dismissing Xi Jinping's offer to eventually mediate. He hasn't picked up the phone yet to speak with. Uh, Ukraine's president, Volodymyr uh, Zelensky. And we even saw, you know, they, 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 they talked about this uh, new uh, power of Siberia uh, natural gas pipeline flowing east from uh, the Arctic all the way down to uh, all the way down to China. There's already one part of it that's uh, operational but the second, like they didn't even finalize that in this during this.
1: Break. Yeah, but this this, this trend uh, towards uh, Asia in in Russia, Eurasian project, you know, it's it's deeply ingrained. It was it belonged to the the far right, uh, uh, the far right. Uh, uh, space of the putinist uh, society or the putinist uh, uh, philosophy or p- p- way of seeing politics is to turn to create an axis with with China since it's impossible to go west now nowadays with the war and everything and and it's also China has been We've been hearing the war drums for a while now. We've been hearing, is there going to be a conflict with China, yes or no, Taiwan? We're not sure what's happening exactly, but we know that something very uh, grave and bad is about to come up, etc. And this has pushed China towards, uh, towards Russia and has helped a lot create this new alliance that, it's true, can be... More than bothering for the West. Russia still, though, represents,
0: Richard Verley, 2% of China's trade.
2: True. And um, China clearly wants to have a, a wider access to Russia's natural resources. We all know that. Now, when you come at uh, this specific visit, I think Xi Jinping has a problem. He has a problem because he doesn't know yet who's going to win the war. He would like, probably, the Chinese president to be sure that Putin is going to win this war. And if he was sure that Putin would be the winner, he would behave differently and he would probably go further in terms of project, cooperation and so on. But he's not sure of that. So he's got to, in the one hand, have a door open to Russia, extend an arm to Russia, but in the meantime he wants to be the peacemaker and he wants to be the one who brings an end to the conflict. So it's not a it's not an easy position for the Chinese I president. That, and I believe uh, I, I, the more we go, the more the war continues, the more difficult it will be for China.
0: Noor Ibrahim.
4: Yeah, I, I, I really disagree with that. Uh, the idea that you know, China actually genuinely wants to be a peacemaker. I think, if anything, what that meeting showed is the exact opposite, because there was nothing of substance said about Ukraine. I think maybe they, you know, they, they they wanted to present that image initially, but um, anyone who read the statement from Moscow, from Beijing, could see that uh, there wasn't so much as, you know, one substantive point that they made um, about Ukraine, about um, de-escalating, about any of that stuff. So um, I think that was, you know, the final nail in the coffin of like this facade, really, that, uh, that China wanted to play a genuine, sincere role in, in bringing the conflict to the end. I don't think that was ever part of their intention.
2: No, we'll see. But I still, well, if you want to talk peace, um, you don't talk about peace with Putin in Moscow. Uh, so at the moment, I think the Chinese would like to find an exit road to this war. They are not comfortable with this war. They don't want the war to. It's continue. bad for business. Exactly, exactly. Mm. It's bad for the economy and it's bad for Xi Jinping himself.
0: After Britain earlier in the week, by the way, France, the latest country to order its civil servants to remove TikTok from uh, their smartphones, this uh, just ten days before Emmanuel Macron himself travels to China. <laughs> TikTok CEO getting a grilling from both Republicans and Democrats in Washington as the U.S. considers a ban on the popular video-sharing platform. As I previously referenced, TikTok spied on American journalists. Can you say with 100% certainty that neither ByteDance nor TikTok employees can target other Americans with similar surveillance techniques?
2: Chair Rogers, I first of all disagree with the characterization that is spying. Um, It was an internal investigation. Yes or
0: no? Can you do surveillance of other Americans?
2: We, We will protect the U.S. user data and fire it all from all unwanted foreign access. It's a commitment that we've given to the committee.
0: So, is there a particular problem, Paul Moreira, with uh, TikTok,
1: or is it? Uh I, I I don't know what kind of data they could uh, siphon off uh, from uh, from uh, TikTok, like people dancing or eating pizza. I mean, there's mm-hmm. nothing important happening in, in TikTok, but I, I may be illiterate on on, on this kind of. Uh, Emma Simon. Well,
3: I, th- I think the intelligence services in the, in the U.S. and uh, in the Western world are pretty much, uh, and in Europe, they they've. they've Proven, what's happening behind, and the way that the way that we are exposed. I mean, it's a fantastic tool. I, it does seem a bit repressive to ban it, and is going to disappoint a lot of teenagers. But uh, when you look at the level of a very deliberate espionage coming from Beijing, I mean, f- forever. But, uh, particularly recently, using exactly the same kinds of technologies they use to spy on their own population, uh, we have to be extremely wary. Uh, so, and social media is where it's all happening, where where the where the manufacturing of news, where the spread of conspiracy theories is occurring, where democracies are being threatened most, actually. Yeah,
1: so but, 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 it's, it's but they're, right they're for us talking to, about siphoning off data. What, what well, kind just of like data? we used to
3: talk about fair Facebook when this whole scandal hit Facebook. I mean, these. these uh, uh, Enormous social media and institutions that are very unregulated. Uh, it's good that finally we're actually taking a look at them and seeing how what challenge they're posing towards our democracy. But
0: is it uh, a different uh, uh, code, whether you're Chinese or American? TikTok, by the way, is not just any social media. Uh, the Economist compiled uh, the amount of time 18 to 24-year-olds in the United States uh, spend on social media. Here you see in the graph there's TikTok, Facebook, Instagram and Snapchat. Look at that. More than one hour a day uh, spent on uh, uh, TikTok as of uh, this year, uh, uh, according uh, to uh, that survey, uh, and the numbers. Uh, this is 18 to 24 year olds, by the way. When you're talking about the next age bracket, millennials, uh, the numbers uh, a little bit lower. Yeah, it's 30 minutes instead. But once again, TikTok is tops. Uh, Nor Ibrahim. Uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be like uh, in my day, we get, there were complaints. We watch too much television. <laughs> uh, are, we wa- are we watching too much TikTok? I guess I'll start there.
4: <laughs> I think if I think if they weren't watching TikTok, they'd be watching something else. But there's but one thing that I think, you know, I would definitely assure you is there's a lot of information that you can glean from TikTok. And you'd realize that if you spend like 20 minutes on the app. Uh, for a few days um, the way the algorithm works um, it's just it's very easy to just open the app and just get lost and like open your eyes and wow a whole half hour has gone by is it more um, and addictive just how is it, it more addictive your than the interests your topics
0: is it more addictive than the others so,
4: i think the algorithm from what i've heard from people that are much more knowledgeable about this stuff than i am is that the algorithm really works in a kind of a and a bizarre way, where it really feeds you the things that you'd mostly be interested in, and that kind of information is so uh, important, and it definitely can be exploited so I, I definitely get those concerns um, just even picking up on on the trends that um, different you know younger demographics are interested in, or just a particular person and and what they're looking up and the keywords that they're using um, in their searches uh, that is very valuable information, and there's definitely space for misuse there. Um, in terms of banning, I know, and I think it's that part of it is tricky because when a company is that big um, and so popular in the US, um, just shutting it down altogether can be difficult for a lot of reasons. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know how any kind of independent body can make sure 100% that the user data isn't being uh, used um, improperly or uh, by by the Chinese uh, government. So so let me ask uh, Richard Verli. Honestly, the only way to rectify that is with the sale. Sorry, what was that? Is
0: is with the sale you're saying. Richard Verli, let me ask you, uh, because in China itself, you can't. You can't go on TikTok. They have an equivalent of TikTok. True. Uh, and it's time limited per day for, your, for younger people.
2: True. Well, I, uh, Paul was uh, wondering what is the amount of data that can be taken off or stolen by TikTok. I think it's not so much a matter of data. It's the matter of the brain of our young people. And that's what the U.S. government is worried about. Are they going to catch the brain of the young generation and influencing the brain of the new generation? And or is, is, is it
0: just about money, Richard? Is it yeah. is it because the TikTok is taking ad revenue from probably the, the parent companies of Instagram, Facebook, and, and probably? All the and
2: the other question is. Do you have in TikTok, and that I have no idea, but I guess the US government has studied probably, do you have some type of spyware that can siphon information from other apps and other parts of your phone? So there is a battle going on. Now, uh, question is, why do you forbid civil servants to have TikTok? Specifically, civil servants. I must say that I'm quite. Uh, the, in, the, in the in case of the French decision, I'd like to see the explanation.
3: Because they're vulnerable, because of the, basically they can break through and gather like sensitive well, information. But, well, I mean, but I, if you work for a private anyway. co-
2: if you work for a private company, there are more strategic, very often more strategic information in private companies than in the civil service. So it might be China bashing. Ah, uh, there is probably part of China, back No,
1: because yes. there's a there's a yes. wider there's a yes. wider problem. Is it's the dopamine addictive uh, apps that we have been uh, peddling to the kids for the yes. last that not me, but uh, Silicon Valley has been peddling to the kids for the last ten years, and it's true. It's a problem. I mean, I did a story about that. You have kids who are totally addicted yes, to true. you know. N- it's new. It's new. It's new. It's not only TikTok. I mean, if we talk about that, it's uh, it's it's not Facebook anymore. But it's Instagram. It's uh, Snapchat. Right. It's but all it's those apps. Are addictive. It's
3: about how you regulate these, exactly. which are what they're media beer moths that have exactly. been running riot, literally, and 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 whipping But TikTok
1: up. is not different. Mm-hmm.
3: No, I know. But I think it raises the nobody is Chinese. Question, but it's a security <laughs> question comes in there.
0: And it's, uh, it's uh, uh, certainly uh, one that uh, we will continue uh, to watch as this battle unfolds. Well, first off, on Capitol Hill, Emma Kate Simons, I want to thank you. I want to thank Richard Verley, Paul moreira Noor Ibrahim for being with us from New York City. Thank you for joining us here. Thank you, for In the fun. world this week. Merci.